It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic show. I'll be introducing my guest in a moment, but first I want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. I had Jack Canfield on my show a few years ago, and we had a really amazing conversation Many of you know he was one of the featured experts in The Secret. So one of the questions I asked was, why does the law of attraction not seem to work for everyone? And he said there were three reasons. First, we might have limiting self-beliefs around the thing we are asking for. If we don't believe that we can really have it, we're certainly not going to get it. Second, we're not operating on the same frequency as the thing we're asking for. If we want something wonderful to manifest in our lives, but we ask from a place of sadness, depression, and despair, we're not in a position to attract that wonderful thing. But if you can ask from a place of love, joy, and gratitude, then you are a much better position to receive the thing you're asking for. And finally, we aren't taking enough action. You'll notice the last six letters of attraction are A-C-T-I-O-N. You can't sit on a couch and hope for a million dollars and expect it to show up unless you do something that is worthy of a million dollars. And so if you want to read that interview in full, you are more than welcome to get a book that I uh, wrote a few years ago, and it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. It's the first of two volumes. Jack Canfield is one of the featured experts in that book. And so you can get that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else that books are sold. So with that in mind, I'd love to introduce my guest. But first, if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do that. Leave a five-star review. I would be honored and privileged if you would do that. My very special guest this week is Jay Hauerleck. Let me tell you about him. He has extensive experience in business management, consulting, and sales, and has always been fascinated by understanding people. He has a BBA in business management and also an MBA. As a senior management consultant, he has worked with the organizations of all sizes to provide strategic planning, team building, recruiting, and management expertise. He also has extensive, he has extensive experience in personal relationships and has discovered many commonalities between business and personal relationships. And most importantly, he's authored a book and developed the AccuMax Index Survey to accurately assess an individual's natural wiring regarding motivation, thought processes, work style, risks, decisions, and communication style. And it has a lot of utility when you're talking about hiring, recruiting, and placing people in the right role in your company. We will unwrap and unravel all of that as we move along on the show. So here we are with my very special guest, Jay Howerleck. Jay, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Brian, and thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad that you're here. So my first question that I ask everyone is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are today? Absolutely not. <laughs> so I um, actually started my career in banking. Mm. And uh, that was, I enjoyed the retail side of the bank. And then I was given some quote unquote good advice mm -hmm. to go to the commercial side. And uh, I just didn't really care for it. And when I discovered wiring, I understand why, because the job was wired exactly the opposite of how I'm wired. 
So an organization that I really liked, I just didn't like it that much anymore. Mm. And uh, I decided to leave and uh, start my own business. And so I started my first business and that was a, uh, uh, well, it was a learning experience. Sure. <laughs> so uh, it didn't go very well. It was a learning experience, and uh, I had a second business that went a little better, but still didn't go real well. Mm -hmm. And um, then, quite by accident, I fell into the personality assessment arena about 23 years ago. Wow. And it was my calling. For sure. So to encapsulate what your big mission is, you would state it how? Our mission is to improve the lives of people. Hmm. I love that. That's very easy to remember and it's very easy to focus on. So as you were moving along through your journey, we all have our ups and downs. What would you say was your rock bottom or defining moment? That line in the sand where you said, I will no longer put up with this. Well, um, I was working for an assessment company that's Mm -hmm. actually now one of my competitors. Mm -hmm. And I was very successful. Uh, However, a lot of the concepts that they taught were developed in the 50s. Mm. And some were still valid, but others just were not. I mean, it was insight, it was groundbreaking in the 50s, but my comparison is saying, you know, put tires on a, uh, same tires from a 1955 Thunderbird to a 2000 Thunderbird, that's not gonna work. And so I would contact them and say, you know, we need to make some changes. We need to do this. And I got kind of the corporate runaround. Well, you know, we'll consider it and and uh, at our next annual meeting. And then if we decide to do some action on it, uh, something can happen in three to five years. Yeah. So in the interim, I had been studying the neurosciences because all personality assessments are based in the social sciences. Mm. The observable behavior of people. So I started doing research into the neural sciences Mm -hmm. and got very fascinated with that. And then at that point in time, decided to leave the company. Had a one-year non-solicitation that I honored. Um, But it gave me the opportunity to continue refining and uh, validating the instrument. And so that was kind of the point where I decided you know, I can build a better mousetrap and I'm going to go do it. Mm. There you go. I love that. So what is the best action that you wish you would have taken sooner? I wish I'd gotten involved in this industry earlier. You know, that's Mm. kind of key. Um, Because I, you know, I kind of fell into it, but it was my calling. It was my passion. And I kind of jumped around to some things. I said I had a couple of businesses that didn't work out real well. Mm -hmm. And so I really... You know, if you could kind of go back, I wish I'd kind of stumbled into this 10 years earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. It's really my only regret. Mm-hmm. This time is, you know, uh, there's only X amount of time we have on the planet. Right. And so, uh, but that's really my my only, only regret. But with that said, I would not change anything that's happened. Yeah, I, I love that. So why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? What drew you into that space? Well, I figured I could uh, do a be- make a better mousetrap. And from dealing with a lot of my clients that were entrepreneurs, they kind of encouraged me. They said, you know, you have some different philosophies. You teach this differently. You have a lot of great insight. 
And so I got a lot of encouragement to go ahead and do it. And uh, one of the gentlemen who's been a mentor of mine, uh, gosh, I've known him now for about 23 years. Uh, after I started the company, we had breakfast and he looked at me and he said, you actually did it. I said, well, mm -hmm. of course, I said I was going to do it. He said, do you know how many people say they're going to do something and never do it? Right. And that kind of goes to your point of the action in attraction. Mm -hmm. There's got to be action. You have to make a decision to do it. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, it didn't come without its struggles. Uh, I remember when I decided to go do this, I went to my wife and I said, hey, I want to go do this. It's going to take for the research and the time and the statisticians. We got to hire everything that has to be involved with this. It's probably going to take everything that we have. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, so we're either going to end up having a very good retirement or we're going to be living under a viaduct, one or the other. Right. And she said, well, as long as I'm living under the viaduct with you, let's go ahead and try it. Aww. And so when we opened our doors for business, we had no money, no yeah. clients, nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, but it was a great experience. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just the excitement of opening it up and then, you know, yeah. signing my first client. And uh, so that was very, very exciting. And I, I kind of say my worst day of working for myself is better than my best day of working for someone else. That is absolutely beautiful. And I fully believe that we've got three minutes to our first break. So I want to ask, how did you get your first client? You said you started with nothing and you eventually landed up with someone. Uh, it was a relationship that I had built. And, uh, you know, I, I knew them and it was a relationship and they actually were part of the testing for this. And mm -hmm. before I opened my doors, they said, when you open your doors, we will be your first client. And they're a client today, you know. And so um, that was how I uh, got the first client. We predominantly built the business through referrals and a network. That's how we predominantly built it. Mm. Uh, you know, so that that's how I got my first client. I mean, relationships do matter. It's kind of people ask me, you know, what does the value of the Acumax index? Well, you know, I mean, the value is uh, in business is aligning people in positions, properly motivating them. Mm -hmm. And we measure four quadrants that apply to business and relationships. But the reality of it is business is relationships. Everything yes. is relationships. Yes, for sure. We got a couple minutes to our first break. Uh, what is the highest value skill you think anyone can develop? I think the highest value skill is self-awareness. Oh, that's beautiful. I don't think I've had anyone say that before, but that's a great answer. And elaborate. Yeah, elaborate on that. I learned that from a gentleman who, uh, um, he is very smart. He started a, you know, one of those guys started a company in his garage, uh, built it up to 400 people, ended up selling it out. And we became very close. And we were having lunch one day. And he said, uh, I said, what made you successful in business? He said, well, it was knowing what I was good at. But more importantly, it was knowing what I wasn't good at. He said, sometimes entrepreneurs feel they can do everything. And yes. he said, so understanding what I wasn't good at gave me great insight 
And I brought people around me who kind of were good at those sort of things. Mm-hmm. That is such a great answer. Know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, and hire the stuff that you cannot do or should not do or don't want to do. I love it. We'll come up after our first break. My very special guest is Jay Howerlick, and we're going to talk about personality assessments, recruiting, building teams, and everything. And we'll talk about his AccuMax assessment when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's Are you ever afraid to order something at a restaurant because you don't know how to pronounce it? Fox News reported that many people mispronounce common items while ordering. Some of those words that give people trouble are bruschetta, those yummy little slices of bread with chopped tomato, garlic, and olive oil. Chipotle, the pungent red pepper often pickled and eaten as an appetizer or added to meat and stews. Beignet, which is sort of a French donut. And believe it or not, there is no X in espresso. If you ever go into a restaurant and see Redonkadonk on the menu, that's a grilled burger with ham, bacon, cheese, egg, and spam inside two grilled cheese sandwiches made with extra thick Texas toast-style bread. Try it. It's delicious. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profile Radio. My very special guest is Jay Howerlick. And we're going to talk about the Acumax Index next. And if you've not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 3. It's the third and final installment of that series. You can get any or all of those on Amazon. I'd be honored if you did. So, Jay, let's talk about the Acumax Index. How did you end up creating this and how did you decide what you were going to measure? Well, um, I got interested, as I said, into the neurosciences. And in the 18 to 24 month period, after any human being on the planet is born, certain chemicals come together in the brain and they create specific neural pathways. Now, during this time period, there's millions of pathways created. However, we measure four as they apply to business and relationships. And as I said, business is relationships. 
So it's a deep dive into an individual. It's static. It formed at about age two. I mean, one of the great uh, uh, comparisons I like to do is for anyone who has children, they probably went through the terrible twos. And the reason being is your wiring pattern is actually its purest at that point in time. We haven't been inundated with, you know, our brains haven't developed enough yet to start being responsive to upbringing and to cultures around us. So behavior changes over time due to external elements, you know, where I'm born, upbringing, age and maturity. Uh, my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, Jay, the older you get, the smarter I'll become. And he was right. Um, you know, education, life's experiences, all of these things can change behavior over time. It's why none of us listening to this, you know, behave the same way we did when we were 18 years old. However, our wiring pattern is static. It forms in about 24 months. It reaches its full dimensions at about puberty. Um, but those are just uh, the, the actual pattern forms. So that's static within. It's a deep dive into an individual. And look at wiring as the environment in which I best thrive. Mm. One of the cruel tricks of the human mind is it can make us do anything we want to do for short periods of time, even longer periods of time. So if I'm changing my wiring, it's stressful. It's negative stress. There's positive stress and negative stress. It's negative stress. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, 80% of people that are employed in the United States are unhappy in their jobs. You know, it's one of two reasons. Either I'm not a wiring fit for the job I'm performing mm -hmm. or I'm not properly motivated. And Motivators are the non-monetary things we need for job satisfaction. Yeah. So the index tells us, you know, someone's innate wiring, but it also tells how they're motivated, their learning style, how they make decisions, their natural orientation to ideas, how they communicate, which is not talk or think, but successfully process thought, their work style, how they accept pressure, speed of decision making. Uh, our assessment takes less than five minutes to complete, and it creates 18 different reports. Oh, wow. Yeah, because some of those assessments take a long time. In fact, I want to ask you, how is this different from DISC or Myers-Briggs? I took the Myers-Briggs test a few times when I was in graduate school, and I don't get the same result every time I take it. And I took the DISC assessment after I got hired at a company because they just wanted to see more about what my temperament was. They liked me and they knew what role they were going to put me in, but they just wanted to see a little bit more about me. And I don't really think they shared the results of it with me, which I thought was very odd. <laughs> but tell us how this is different from those. Well, you know, I mean, some Myers-Briggs people may disagree with this assessment, but Myers-Briggs kind of measures situational personality. Mm. You know, and that's why the results change so much, because it's very situational. If you're taking it, you know, to go into a heated strategic planning meeting, it could be very different than if you're taking it at a luau. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's probably the easiest way for just, uh, you know, just 
someone to basically understand is a more situational personality. Now, Myers-Briggs was embraced very much by academia for many years as a very good tool, yeah. um, you know, but that's kind of what it measures. Now, DISC measures observable behavior, the behavior of the person we see. Mm. However, we can change behavior. That's one of the interesting things about the human mind. We can fight our innate wiring. And when you fight your innate wiring over long periods of time, it can rear its ugly head, you know, in physical, mental, emotional uh, side effects. Mm -hmm. Went into an organization one time and from looking at the results, I said to a gentleman, I said, I don't really want to concern you, but I believe you're a candidate for a heart attack. And he looked at me and he said, oh, my gosh, I just got back from leave. I had a heart attack six weeks ago. Oh. And so that's the when we fight our wiring over long periods of time, it just creates negative stress on the individual. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask, what are the outcomes that you want this assessment to create for people? I mean, obviously putting people in the right roles, perhaps reducing corporate turnover. What kinds of problems does this solve? I guess it's probably the best way I should ask that. Well, you know, number one, we we deal with companies who want to improve uh, their hiring and better engage their people. So we can be used in the pre-screening process. We're statistically validated and we're EEOC compliant. Now, you can't apply for EEOC compliance, so you have to be EEOC compliant, which means you don't bias toward or against any protected group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we encourage our clients to do is use it in the screening process. And that way it saves them time and money because rather than bringing in 30 people and trying to figure out who's going to be a best fit, you want to look at background and skill set. That's very important. But then you want to look at a wiring match. And when you have both, the chance of success that individual performs at the level of expectation at date of hire continues. Standard hiring gives about a 40% success rate. Four out of 10 people perform at the level of expectation from date of hire. Mm -hmm. Using this takes it up to about 80, 85%. It's not perfect because Brian, you could have a great background, you could have a great skill set, but if you went to the casino every night and you're staying out till two, three o'clock in the morning, it's going to be tough to be sharp at 7.30, you know, and at work. Mm. So it's not perfect, but we use data and analytics in organizations. So we go in and we say, survey your whole workforce, whether they're high performers or low performers. Um, it's data, it's information. And then taking the high performers, we can actually create position wiring patterns. And with a press of a button, I can see how well you match. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the because I know who you are when you're walking in the door, the interview can evolve into a, a more of a cultural fit are you a culture fit for the organization mm. you know what are your values because oftentimes interviews are i gotta try and get to know who i'm talking to right know? and so but i already know who i have um from a wiring perspective and so then you can dig deeper down you know what are your what are your morals and values because there's really 
not a good assessment that measures morals and values. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, you know, what's your work ethic? How are you going to fit in the culture? You know, um, what other skills do you bring to the organization? Then part of our reporting is how do you properly onboard people? People are onboarded differently based upon their wiring and based yeah. upon the role. One size fits all management techniques never work. Right. You know, they may hit 20%, maybe 25% of the workforce. Um, but this way, it's kind of an individual management guide. You know, so what are the things that motivates this individual? Are you somebody who wants a lot of freedom and autonomy? Are you somebody who wants a pat on the back? Are you somebody that wants a lot of feedback? Are you someone that wants to be schooled in the process and systems within the organization? So those are non-monetary things that we need for job satisfaction. Everybody works for money because obviously we're in a capitalistic society and you right. pay your bills. But those are the things that, you know, somebody says, yeah, I've been here 35 years and I absolutely love it. Yeah. And when you don't have to change your wiring during the day at work or evening, if you work night shift, if you don't have to change your wiring, you're more relaxed when you come home. You're less, uh, you know, tense and stressed. Yeah. It can have a residual effect. You know, people that fight their wiring to perform a job oftentimes have, you know, relationship issues. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. We've got two minutes to our break. And I, I love what you just said, because I know that I'm the kind of person that if I'm working for you, tell me what you want me to do. Leave me alone. I will do it. And if I have questions, I will come to you. You do not need to check up on me. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's giving insight because, mm -hmm. you know, that's the beauty of it. It's giving insight. Mm -hmm. So I say, OK, Brian, Brian's this kind of guy, you know, let him know what to do and then get out of his way and judge him on the results. Yep. Uh, other people, though, by their wiring, enjoy elements of that interaction. They mm -hmm. want a lot of constant feedback. They mm -hmm. want to know if they're doing it correctly. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. It just is. Yep. It sure is. We're coming up against our next break. We're talking with Jay Howerlich, and we are discussing the, the Acumax Index. And uh, we're talking about how this impacts hiring and recruiting and putting people in the right roles. And we will talk about so much more after the break. In fact, we'll talk about how we can maybe use this to uh, reassign people to a different role if the assessment tells us we should. We'll talk about how how this works and the, the parameters of the things that this thing will will assess. We'll come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? 
Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jay Howerluck. And we are talking about the Acumax Index for how he evaluates talent and puts them in the right places with his client company. So let me let me say, you did say earlier in the show that a lot of other assessments focus on behavioral science. This focuses on neuroscience. And we talked about how this assessment does not care whether I'm having a bad day or not. My result will not change. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Do I only have to take this assessment once in my lifetime since the result will never change? Yes. We we have two graphs. We okay. measure your, what we call the natural self, which is your natural wiring. And then we have a secondary graph called the adjusted self. Uh, the adjusted self tells us whether you're energized in your work environment, running in neutral or de-energized. Uh, energized means you're getting enough of your motivators. Mm-hmm. Um, de-energized usually represents that you're not. It also helps us understand how somebody's trying to modify or change based upon the demands of their environment. 70% of the time, it's driven by the work environment. 30% of the time, it's important personal events, you know, getting married, getting divorced, death or sickness of a family member, birth of the first child, So those are life-changing events. But if the adjusted self creates great talking points, we went into a company, gosh, it's probably about eight years ago now. And from reading the adjusted self, all of the senior leaders felt they weren't allowed to make decisions they wanted to make. And the CEO, he called them out. He went around the room. Is this true? Is this true? Is this true? Is this true? And they're like, yeah, man, you're a micromanager. Mm. So he talked to us about it afterwards. He said, what do I do? He said, empower your team, get out of their way, judge them on their results. Well, he took our advice uh, to heart. And I think they had about 30, 35 employees at that point in time. Today, they think they have about 180. Um, He's truly embraced the tool because he now understands how to best motivate 
individuals and manage them. He felt <laughs> prior to this that he needed to tell everybody what to do and, you know, kind of micromanage them along the way. So this way he realized that, you know, hey, if I kind of back off from all of that and self-empower my people, because one of the things we've discovered is people want to be self-empowered in the work environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I can certainly appreciate that. So is this assessment based on self-reporting? It's it's basically a psychometric. Psychometrics are things you innately respond to. Okay. Um, psychometrics can come, you know, like perfume and a, and a smell. Somebody walks by and you go, why that smells good? Somebody else walks by and you go, <coughs> cough, cough. Yeah. Uh, psychometrics can be visual. They can come in words. It's a psychometric tool. You take it and um, we're extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it takes less than five minutes to complete. That's great. Cause I remember I was applying for a job somewhere back in the earlier days of my career and I was taking an assessment and you know, those assessments where they, for psychological reasons, they want to ask you the same question, maybe three or four times, but ask it a slightly different way to see if you answer it the same way. I hate those because I, I really despise busy work and that's how I saw it. What, why do people do that? Well, you know, I, um, there's different reasonings behind all of the tests that are out there. Sure. Some are to see how self-aware somebody is. Some sometimes they're designed to trip people up. Yeah. Um, so I, frankly, I never really saw the value in that. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense to me. No. Uh, you know, it's just, this is who you are. And with that said, there is no real good assessment that measures moral character. I mean, there sure. really isn't. I throw that out there. Your listeners can develop one. They're going to make a billion dollars in the assessment market. Oh, I was sure. about a 10% idea fee. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, but there isn't. You know, that's kind of, because people ask me, you know, what's the wiring patterns of people in jail? Well, mm-hmm. the same wiring patterns as all of us are just there for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So, um, but why they do those sort of things, it's it's a little bit of a head scratcher. We're just very objective is who you are. Yeah. And with our reporting, we talk about your strengths. Everybody has them. We also talk about your limitations. Everybody has them. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect wiring pattern. You, you have to love who you are, number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, Understanding your innate strengths helps you maximize them, but understanding your innate limitations helps you limit them and then grow as a person. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about what some of the parameters are that this assessment measures. I imagine that it maybe measures how you operate under pressure. Do you make decisions quickly? Do you like being around people or do you prefer to be in the background? Am I am I correct or am I totally missing? No, you're absolutely correct. Our, our four channels are autonomy, communication, patience, and certainty. And they're divided into highs and lows. So if you're a high autonomy person, you kind of want to do things yourself. If you're lower in autonomy, you prefer more of a group setting. You're more innately team oriented. From communication, are you an external thinker? Are you an internal thinker? Everybody talks and thinks. That's how human beings are built. 
Right. But the key value of this is how I process thought. Verbal thinkers might come up to you and say, hey, Brian, I got this idea. I think I'm turn about turning right. I think about turning left. Maybe I'm going to go straight. But as they're verbalizing, they're developing the thought process and crystallizing how they want to move forward. Internal thought processors are just the opposite. They listen to what everybody has to say and then kind of need a little time alone to sort it through, get down to the meat and process it. We call the communication channel the buy-in channel because that's where you get buy-in on things. And so understanding if somebody needs time to think something through, uh, great, give them that time. And some of the techniques we teach com companies are, you know, have an agenda before a meeting because internal thinkers like to organize their thoughts. External thinkers can just, you know, talk at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. um, and so that you can kind of get to that agenda, they can come with their thoughts prepared and it eliminates the meeting after the meeting. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about what you said at the meeting, Brian. I'm not sure I'm so bought in. All right. Patience measures your work style, how you accept pressure. Hmm. You know, are you more of a juggler in your work style? You do a things to do list one, two, three, four, five, and start on 27. Or are you more sequentially driven? You do a things to do list one, two, three, four, five. You start at one, finish it, go to two, finish it, go to three, finish it. Mm -hmm. You know? It's also your speed of decision making. You know, if you're lower in the patience, you want to make a quick decision. If you're higher in the patience factor, you're more deliberate. And, you know, where lower patience factor people accept elements of pressure, they put pressure on themselves and others. Higher patience individuals actually push back from that pressure. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you're a low pressure and you're a low patience individual and you go up to somebody who's a high patience individual and say, I need a decision on this. And they say, well, I'll have it at four o'clock today. Low patience individuals saying, oh my gosh, four o'clock. Oh my God, that's so long ago. So I'm, I'm going to help speed this along. I'll stop into their office. I'll call them. I'll text them. I'll email them. By doing all of that, you've actually slowed down the decision making process for the higher patients individual. Yeah. And then nice. certainty is how much information we want for decision-making. Are you someone that wants a lot of detail and proof? Are you somebody who only wants the critical points of information? Are you someone that enjoys a more structured environment? Or are you somebody that wants more flexibility in your environment? So understanding this and then the relationships. How do I make a risk decision? Everybody makes a risk decision. They just make them differently. Yeah, Some yeah. people can make a risk decision with limited information that makes other people sweat. Others will make the same risk decision, but they may need to go through a lot more analytics to get to that point. You know, so understanding how I make a decision and then my innate communication style. Uh, some people are more task focused before social. You know, those kind of the individuals that they start their Monday morning company meeting, say, hey, does everybody have a great weekend? Great. But let's get at agenda item number one. Mm -hmm. Others have more social before task. You know, did you have a great weekend? Good. What did you do, Brian? It's just a natural style. Mm -hmm. So understanding how this is all constructed improves interactions within an organization. That's kind of critical. And yeah. one of the things that we teach is 
if you want your message successfully received by the other person, appeal to their wiring pattern. Absolutely. We've got a couple minutes to our our next break. Getting the higher correct is so critical because when you get it wrong, it wastes a lot of time and a lot of money, doesn't it? Absolutely. If if cost of turnover was a line item on a financial statement, we'd have businesses lined up out the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So is there something in this that flags you that someone may not be a great fit or do you have to manually analyze the data? How do you know what the data tells you? Well, once we go into an organization and we create what we call position wirings, then all you have to do is a press of a button. So, it, you know, how does Brian match to this? It's a press mm-hmm. of a button. You know, green is go, there's cautionary mode, and then there's a red that's a no-go. Um, no-goes are fine people. They're wonderful. They're just not a wiring match. And what we've discovered is that normally companies that hire red matches, they either are turnover or they become problem children within the organization. Yeah. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate that. And you got to find a place for them or maybe they'll figure out they aren't a great fit. But sometimes you do have to kick people out. Well, three things happen when we go into an organization. You'll have underperformers who will perform better because I know how to properly motivate them. Mm-hmm. You may have a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know what? This person would be over better over here. And lastly, you may have to give some people the opportunity to excel in another organization. Sure. We're coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We're talking with Jay Howerlick, and we're talking about the AccuMax index and how it helps companies hire the best people for their organizations, the best fit. And I I love that we talked about how it measures you want to scale for autonomy, communication, patience, and certainty, because those are all very, very important. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how this helps companies find the best fit. And if you understand how your employees are wired, it helps you create the best the best team. I, I'm sure recruiting firms love using this technology. We'll come right back after the break to talk about this some more. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. the beginning of air conditioning appreciation days but who invented the air conditioner anyway 
Air conditioning was originally invented to cool large machines used in factories, not people. Willis Havlin Carrier was granted a patent in 1906 for his apparatus for cooling the air. Nowadays, the air conditioner has just become something for husbands and wives to fuss about. I'm always cold to the point of horripilation, while my husband's always hot and sweaty. So we're constantly adjusting the thermostat, trying to find a temperature setting we can both agree on. What do you call a person who quibbles over details? A pedophoger. It's Marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jay Howerlick, and we're talking about the Acumax Index, and we're talking about how companies can use this in their hiring, but you also have given this assessment at schools, too. Would Does this help students realize where they need to be? Does it help there? Well, the um, yes, it does. Uh, when the schools use it, they give it to the student. Now, it's not going to tell me your passion. It's not going to tell me where you want to go into. But what it is going to tell you is the environment you best thrive within. So let's say a student says, well, I want to be an attorney. Well, there's all sorts of attorneys. Are you better suited to be a litigator? Are you better suited to be a transactional attorney? You know, are you better suited to be a patent attorney? and actually, this is a true life story. We had one of our clients that was a, a law firm, and the dad was a litigator, and his son was not wired to be a litigator. And he talked to us about it. And I said, well, just just talk to him. What would he rather do? He wanted to do transactional law, which is fine. But it's kind of like you can't force him. He's like, well, I kind of thought because he's my son. Well, you know, I mean, wiring is completely random. The person... The child could be like the mother, could be like the father, or could be like neither. So it gives great awareness and it kind of helps understand the areas that I want to go. Am I a good fit for the skilled trades? You know, am I a better fit for a professional career? If I want to go into engineering, is it going to be sales engineering? Is it going to be uh, product engineering? So there's a lot of different areas and it helps cut down that trial and error that we all go through in our careers. You know, I mean, I'm very much a people person. Mm -hmm. And that's why with my first job out of college in the bank, I love the retail side. You know, I was in the management development program, a lot of interactions with people. Then I go to the commercial side and it's heads down at your desk, eight hours a day. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is not part of my wiring and explained why I kind of from a company I really loved I went to not so crazy about so it helps Mm -hmm. kind of eliminate that that guesswork Um, because a lot of people these days go from career to career to career before you know I mean you and I are both two people that went to different careers before we found out what we really wanted to do Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that is absolutely true. I, I agree with all of that. So let me ask you this. What were some of the challenges you faced while you were developing this assessment? I'm sure there's a lot of research and a lot of trial and error, maybe. A lot of trial and error. Uh, my first couple attempts uh, were just disasters. You know, I tried to do how you'd be at work, how you'd be at home, how you are yourself. And that just came out as a disaster. And so I tried to do the whole thing at once. And so after some of those failures, well, not failures, the learning moments, I guess is a better way of putting them. I decided to separate and look at each of the channels differently and work on that. And actually, uh, I got a lot of help uh, from people that I reconnected with over the years. Hey, can you help me on this one? And so finally developed the four different channels and then put it all together and then went in to organizations. And basically I'd say, look, you know, um, let me survey people. You can have all the results. This is data for me. And that was part of validating the tool. And then we got a statistical validation. So it took some trial and error and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, uh, it wasn't successful, but I kind of look at it again, you know, those were learning moments and ways to kind of adjust and, and say, okay, this isn't going to work. I guess the key thing I would give to any entrepreneur out there is don't give up. Yeah, absolutely. I bet recruiting firms love this tool, don't they? They do. And we we work with several recruiters. It gives them a, a, a an edge in dealing with with organizations because they can say, "What kind of a person are you looking for?" And yep. so we have ways of creating position wirings. Uh, we can do it analytically from people in the organization. We can do it subjectively if it's a new position or they're just not sure. And then say, okay, you know, then it gives you a talking point beforehand. So you want somebody who's like this. Then they can match the candidate to it and bring them in and say, this is the kind of individual that you were looking for. So it creates a lot more certainty in that arena. And, um, you know, companies love us because if they follow our process, and that's key, you follow our process, you get great results. You don't, you won't. And we have clients call us and say, oh, you know, there was a red match candidate, but he was highly recommended and, and well, he didn't work out. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we kind of say, okay, that's good. You did it once. Now follow our process. Don't do it again. We're here to save you time and money. Yeah. This is a little bit of an out of the box question, but knowing what you're looking for, could you metaphorically speaking, uh, try to find your own Avengers and create a super team in your organization. I mean, you know that Hulk is not going to be the CEO of your company, right? That's probably going to be Tony Stark, Iron Man. So, I mean, <laughs> does knowing what you're looking for help you to create your, your, your ideal team? Absolutely. That's one of our real benefits. Uh, a team of all clone wiring patterns likes doing the same thing. So things fall through the cracks. To have an effective team, you need a diversity of wiring, but a diversity of wiring is the exact thing that causes team dysfunction unless I know their value. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of it. So kind of going in and say, okay, I'm this way. These people are this way. These are the value that they're going to bring. It does create high-performing teams.
Yeah, I love that. Is this a valid instrument across all industries or are there any limitations? No, it's valid across all industries. I love that. And do you use this internationally as well? Yes, we do. How many languages is this available in? 22. 22. 22. So are you in the countries that use all 22 languages? No, we're not. <laughs> mm, that's um, a goal. Well, I mean, here, actually, even in the United States, we have a lot of demand for uh, other languages yeah. um, because English is not the first language of a lot of individuals here. Sure. So we actually have uh, a lot of demand for uh, other languages here, even in the States. But we are in a majority of those countries, but not every single one. Cool. What we've got maybe, I don't know, three, four, five minutes left. What is your favorite case study, client case study? My my favorite client case study is one of our clients. Uh, they're a medical facility. Mm -hmm. And when the CEO first heard about this, she approached me and she said, I'm going to hire this person. Could I get an assessment on them? And I said, sure. So I gave her an assessment. I gave the assessment and I called up the CEO and I said, okay, look, I don't really recommend you hire this person. The, this is what's going to happen if you hire them. Mm -hmm. And I listed it out. And she replied back, no, no, no. This is the perfect candidate. I don't believe in your assessment. I think you're wrong. Uh -huh. Two months later, she called me up and she said, how did you know? And I said, how did I know what? How did you know all of the things that you said were going to happen happened with this individual? I said, I understand their wiring. Mm -hmm. And so at that point in time, she became a believer. When we interacted with them, I think they probably had about 25, 30 employees. They have over 100 today. Mm. She's become a huge fan of it. They, and one of the things they do do is they do have people um, when they're interviewing, they go over the results with them. This is why mm -hmm. we're interviewing you. This is your profile. This is your wiring. This is why we think you'd be a good fit in these roles. And so it's become quite a, uh, a valuable tool for managing their growth and bringing the right people in to the organization to assist in growth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. So what has surprised you about this whole journey? We're winding down. We've got about three minutes left. I, th th I think the, the biggest thing is how people continue to react to it. Uh, I hired a consultant into my organization about five and a half years ago, and she'd been with us about three months. And she was getting her feet wet, and she was starting to deal with some prospects and read them the results. And she said, the, the result is, the response is amazing. There's like, this nailed me exactly. This is exactly who I am. She said to me, do you ever get tired of that? And that's the thing that's, no, I don't. After doing it all these years, when I sit did, still sit down with somebody, read them their results, and then see the expression that they have, mm -hmm. um, it, it still warms my heart to this day. I love that. What are some of the top core values you run your company by? Our top our core values are, number one, we always do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. Number two, we strive to amaze our clients with great customer service every single day. We will listen first, ask questions, and act next. 
And we always set the example in all period, in, in all areas. And lastly, we're trustworthy enough to carry the $1 million briefcase. And that means I trust you so much, Brian, I can give you a briefcase with a million dollars cash in it, come back 30 days later, and I have no doubt in my mind there's a million dollars cash in it. That is a really beautiful uh, example of integrity. So I love that so much. Here's what I what I love asking a little bit, you know, toward toward the end too, is how do you know what to say yes or no to? In my business, excuse me, is it in my is it in my business? Yes, yes, it is. You know, that took some that took some learning. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I thought I had to be involved in everything in the beginning, and I was. But as I started to evolve, I found the value of delegating to others, empowering them to do it, and then just getting out of their way. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of, my rule now is <clears throat> I do the things that help advance the business. I don't do the things that don't advance the business. Awesome. And as we wind down, how do we find you? You can go to our, our website and you can take a free assessment. It's www.acumaxacumaxindex.com. Fantastic. That's a beautiful gift. Jay, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show to explain all of this to us and our listeners today. It was my pleasure, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn from them. Until next week, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.